I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it! Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Carr, intercepted! What's up, Charger fans? We're back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfers. And all I got to say is, Bolt fam, let's ride. Let's ride. Let's Jeez. ride. Zach got an opportunity to go to SoFi Stadium, watch the Monday night football game with me. Uh, I want to kind of get your thoughts on the atmosphere. I know it's your second time at the stadium. Uh, how did you feel like this, this game atmosphere was for us? The, the atmosphere is unreal. Um, I love it. It's so contagious. It's so electric. This fan base that we're building out here um, is unlike any other because they, they, they know what we've gone through. Um, and I think you can – that has just led to it being an electric place, whether it be the tailgate, whether it be Inglewood driving in. The it, It's contagious, and I absolutely can't get enough of it. I can't wait till I go back. Um, and good thing is I don't really have to wait longer than a month because I'm coming back for the Chiefs game. That's going to be exciting. Can't wait for that. And then you also got an opportunity to go see the first game uh, at uh, Petco Park. The Padres are – they're hot. I mean, they just really had an outstanding uh, two matchups kind of back-to-back. They had the uh, – the the what was it? Five runs in the – seventh inning to go and and eventually kind of yeah. start their their run there and then last night they went on another like seven scoreless runs in the fifth inning uh that was yesterday Padres are super hot tell yeah, me about your in. your uh your trip to Petco Park and yeah. watching the uh Padres beat the Mets another so I I, I went to throw the the Dodger series um on Friday, the first game. Um, and that was my first time back in Petco since I had moved away from the San Diego area when I was 11. So first time in 15 something years. And I was so excited to come back. And then I watched a fantastic game. Um, just a team who had came together at the right time, who's getting streaky, who just knocked off their division rival, their big brother, who dominates the, the LA, the San Diego fan base in the LA Dodgers. And I mean, that was just another type of experience. Words can't just really put it into perspective because it it was energy. There was no words needed to be spoken. I was giving people, people were coming up to me after the game, just giving me hugs and like almost to tears because of how much it meant to them. So words doesn't even, there's no words I can put into, you know, help describe that because it was just a, a, a feeling. And I think that's what, this team is it believes in themselves and, and belief 
is so strong right now. Nobody really had any faith in this team getting past the Mets and now past the Dodgers. Uh, it, it's tremendous to experience. I was so grateful that I had that opportunity. Uh, and I can't wait for tomorrow when they, they head to Philadelphia and hopefully get back in the win column again. Yeah, apologize. You're right. It was the Dodgers series. I don't know what I was thinking. By the way, like beating the Dodgers at home at Petco means almost more than a World Series. Like you're not going to get a a greater excitement, even winning the World Series if they end up making it that far, because that is such a strong rivalry just for San Diego in itself. Maybe not Padre to Dodger, but from San Diego to L.A., that's a huge rivalry. And anytime San Diego beats anything L.A., you know, we only have one sports team left now. Yeah. We also have a hockey team. But, like, in terms of, like, that, what that means to the city of San Diego and the it, fans of the Padres means so much more to knock off a team that everybody was saying was going to to sweep the series. Like, they, everyone was saying that the Dodgers team that won 111 games is one of the greatest MLB teams it, ever assembled. And then you've got the Padres who are getting streaky at the right time. Manny Machado is a, a, a threat to win the MVP. I know he was a finalist for the Golden Glove. No, he um, was snubbed. He wasn't. He was snubbed, but it, it did make it on. He was, yeah, he was a snub, but he was on the uh, the list. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you're right. He was snubbed for the final three. Uh, one of the final three finalists, which is kind of ridiculous. And then Josh Hader is so much fun to watch throw a baseball. That guy throws so hard. I know that he was coming in kind of on a uh, kind of a down streak, but mm-hmm. coming into this series, he's been white hot. Three kills to to put the game away like that um, last night. Like it's just a really great time to be a Padre fan. I mean, Absolutely. if you're a Padre fan, you've been a Padre fan for a long time. You're your success, your happiness has not been that high. I mean, seven playoff appearances in the last existence of the Padres is kind of unheard of. So when when the Padres are good, uh, it is something fun to watch. Well, and you, you had mentioned that 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 was that was huge for the city for that team, and I was always saying it because when I was experiencing it, it, it felt that way. Like that this is the this is the World Series for us. But I the the World Series it will just be marginally better more effective or that. Yeah. Contagious than that. Exciting than that. But at the end of the day, that pennant means so much to this city. Cause you could, I, you could feel it. I could, I'm thousand miles away up in Sacramento. I could still feel that energy and it's contagious. It, it, it's similar to the charger fan base where we've been irrelevant for so long, just dunked on just the joke of whatever league you're talking about. And now both teams are good. They're on very different levels, but the, the Padres, man, it was so exciting. I, I can't wait to go back to Petco. It's such a beautiful park, um, and the people are amazing. Uh, the, the people deserve it. The city deserves it, and they're hungry. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how the rest of this uh, pennant race rolls. You know, finishes up. You know, one of the things I wish SoFi Stadium had that, that oh, Petco man. Park has is all the food options. There is so much good food at Petco Park, and they bring in a lot of the uh, a lot of the San Diego based mm-hmm. uh, restaurants inside the stadium. You can get Puesto, Pueblo, Puesto. You can get um, sorry, uh, you can get like a lot of like good breweries will come in, yeah. and, and they have a lot of their beer inside the stadium. Um, you've got uh, 
the barbecue place. I'm really struggling right now thinking of places, but there's just so much good food in the Petco Park where I wish they would bring some of those tents with some of those uh, some of that food inside the stadium because I think it would just make the atmosphere so much better. It's part of what makes going to baseball games at Petco Park so much fun outside the actual game itself. Well, and I'll tell you what, a really easy way to do that um, for SoFi and it's something that Petco does not have because of it where it, it's located in that downtown region in the gas lamp. But what SoFi does have is an amazing tailgate full of amazing energy, Thunder Alley, if you haven't been, it, it's such an experience in and of itself. Uh, one of my highlights of this game that we just went to. But there are some real good barbecue masters, some people that can make some mean carnitas and carne asada tacos. Um, so you you have something very like locally sourced right outside the stadium. To me, that is the best food option when going to And it runs off tips, which and is also awesome. That too. Uh we are very, very fortunate as, you know, a Charger fan base who is growing, who has just moved to a new city to to have that at, our, at you know, at our disposal. I, I highly recommend anybody who's making a trip, take advantage of it. The people are so nice. Go down, talk to them, take some pictures, give them the tips for what you feel like they're worth, because I think it, it's priceless. The, I, I love it going out to Thunder Alley. It's one of the only places in Southern California where you get Southern hospitality. So take advantage of it. Uh, let's talk about a football game. Let's talk about sure. the Monday night uh, football game between the Denver yeah. Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that this game really started on the refs. Like it was such a terrible first half for the refs. And it just they they took points off the board. They took big plays off the board and they made it really an uphill battle from the, the start of the game. I think the Chargers started down 14-0 and had to come back up um, to go and, and get some, some points on the board. Russell Wilson still didn't play all that well. 15 for 28 for 188 yards. He had a touchdown, but he was sacked four times, which is huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge. Let's talk about some of the other storylines in the game. How do you think that the Broncos played? How do you think that the Chargers played? And overall, what was your t- overall assessment of this 4-2 yeah. and two record that the Chargers actually do have? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first off, we've been saying it for a long time. If the Denver Broncos can get their hand on a quarterback, they're going to be dangerous because that defense is no – joke from every level of it they are fantastic and you what what happened is we saw a really good we saw two very good defenses i i think on the other side like you were right it, it was a 13 nothing uh lead for denver out of the gates um i think a lot of that was helped by the refs and i hate to talk about the refs but when there's 19 flags in a game you, you you're forced to and so that's where we're at I, People want to call this game ugly. Um, to me, it wasn't football. It's its own sport. It was unrecognizable. Um, I was so disappointed because I got geared up for a football game. What I saw on Monday night was so far from the sport I love that it made me so infuriated. I, If we couldn't pull that one out, I would have felt sick to my stomach, for, I think, for years. Um, I'm glad we pulled it out. Because that was unrecognizable. It was not the sport I love. Uh, you can call that, call it something else, ref ball or something. It wasn't football. 
at the end of the day, you got to win. You got to win games when they're not going for you. Down all these bodies, down all of these key players that we knew going into this, that we were going to need to have big seasons to reach our full potential. With guys still going down and still four and two, tied with the Chiefs for the division lead, we got to be grateful because we are not playing four and two football. But but you you have to win. You have to score more points than the other team because that's a win. And so we're we're here. We're very fortunate to be in four and two. I think our best football is very far in front of us. But it's it's achievable. They're making steps. They're not losing close games, which is has become a reoccurring theme for charger teams in the past they have at least been able to figure out a way when things aren't going their way when nothing's going their way to win the football game you, you have to have your, you tip your hat off to to that that resilience and you know i feel like that the chargers are working against their head coach right now which is kind of abnormal i mean if you look at the end of the game there they have just over two minutes, just under two minutes to go. They need to go and get into field goal range. Uh, and you can, you're driving to go and win the game. And I feel like yeah. there was terrible, terrible clock management by Brandon Staley. It was mm-hmm. the second week in a row where he's really made some questionable calls as the head coach. I mean, you're not even trying to, to drive at that point in the game. You look at the sack that Russell Wilson took, there was an opportunity to take a timeout right there. Yeah. Let the clock run. And then you go into overtime with all three of your timeouts. You're driving down the field. That is – last week I gave him like a, okay, whatever. We'll, we'll get this one out of the way. But then this week it's like you're not even playing to win. You're playing to go into overtime. And they lost the first yeah. – uh, the, the flip of the coin. So it really worked against him. If it wasn't for a muffed punt in like really dangerous territory for mm-hmm. the Broncos, I mean, everyone's upset and mad because we shouldn't have won that game. And you got, I feel like the fan base is split. You've got half the fan base that are like, hey, we're four and two. You got the other half of the fan base that's saying, hey, we our record is inflated. Like we are not four and two good. We are two and no. four good right now because there's two games that we – really should have lost because of those coaching decisions. We got lucky and we got bailed out. We got bailed out by a hurt kicker who Dustin Hopkins hurt him, his hamstring on the first PAT attempt and managed to go and kick four and make four in excruciating pain is what it looked like. Yeah. And then you, you're, you got bailed out by your defense the week before. So like, there's a lot going on people are looking for a chopping block and some heads to roll. It hasn't happened yet, but like we need to get this issue figured out. I feel like the chargers don't have an identity like they did last year. Like last year, there was an identity. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to be aggressive, but we're going to play smart football. Mm -hmm. And this year it feels like our aggressiveness is really inconsistent. Our identity on both sides of the ball is a little inconsistent. Like who are we? Are we going to be consistent in our decision making? We really haven't been. And it's been it's been scary to see. Like there's one thing being a Chargers fan, like you're always going to be on the edge of your seat because every yeah. game has to come down to something really, really close. But these decisions, 
by the end of the season. I don't know necessarily know if Brandon Staley is going to keep his job if he keeps coaching the way that he's coaching, regardless of if your players are bought in, regardless of if your record's good or not. Like if yeah. you're continuing to make decisions like this, you're putting your job in jeopardy. You, you can only play with fire so much before you get burned. Well, and I, I, I'm so, I am so torn um, because I, I've been going back. I, I know when we left that stadium, I was infuriated. I was with you. I was like, let's get rid of them today. And now with all of this, you know, the hindsight knowledge that we have now that Dustin Hopkins wasn't healthy. Now that Josh, you know, Kelly was down. Now that Will Clapp had to leave and come back because he was nursing something. It it infuriates me. It still infuriates me. I still think he made the wrong decision. But at the end of the day, we're not going to know what Staley's thinking, what's really going on, because he's way too smart to allow anybody in the media outside of the people that rock for him to get any type of any type of that information. And so I think where I'm at is, is Staley making bad coaching decisions? Probably. But he is a leader. We aren't four and two. We aren't as good as we are without the belief that the players have in him. Th- th- that defensive player we were mentioning yesterday, I don't think it happens with a Anthony Lynn because I don't. I thought guys would give up. These, this team doesn't want to give up on Staley. They love him. Regardless of the coaching decisions, he's a leader, and it's something we've been missing for a long time. So if you're winning football games, I don't care how ugly they are. It's frustrating. I'm going to continue to be frustrated if we win games like this. I just don't think you can tear down the house because then you restart. We're going to lose all of that momentum that we have built. So we're here. It's an ugly statue, but it's getting built. So I, I I'm going to continue to throw ugly stone on ugly stone until the wheels fall off because I don't know what successful championship football is. I've never seen it. Yeah. So uh, I, I get the fact that the team is still seems to be bought in. I know there's been like rumblings, but like, let's, yeah. let's be real here. Keenan Allen kind of went against the grain. I think you're going to sure. get some guys that are like, Hey, what are we doing here? Right. Because the decision-making is questionable, but as long as the players are still bought in behind Staley, as long as he's got the locker room behind him, even when he makes mistakes, I think you have something there. Uh, people are calling for Sean Payton to come become head coach. Yeah, I need to I need to put the brakes on that. So Sean Payton is under contract to the Saints until 2024. So the likelihood of the Chargers giving up a first round draft pick to bring Sean Payton into the building tomorrow or this season, or even after this season, pretty unlikely. I think there's just way too many unknowns with Sean Payton. We don't even know if he wants to come back anytime soon, but the fact that he is under contract means you're going to have to give something away to get Sean Payton. And he's going to be a free agent coach in 2024. That gives you more than enough time to continue to evaluate Brandon Staley. This team under Brandon Staley is bought in, like you said, like they they are winning games, they are mm-hmm. being competitive, and outside of some of the the coaching decisions, I would say that even in terms of like player development, like players are developing under Brandon Staley as well, and this coaching yeah. staff. You can get upset and angry over the offensive play calling, which is 
been a little bit lackluster, especially at the start of this season. But a year mm -hmm. ago, nobody had any issues with the, the play calling. And once you get Keenan Allen back, who opens up so much of your offense, and by the way, we should see him this this weekend, uh, it's going to totally change the entire dynamic because the play calling is based off – the whole offensive structure is based off of Keenan Allen opening up everything in the passing game for everybody else. Until you get a real threat over the middle like Keenan Allen, you're not going to see a lot of that deep – those deep-breaking routes – Developed because people they're sitting on them. They were they were not open at all during this Broncos game. A lot of people were asking for it, but the deep ball just wasn't there. And the shots that they did take, they were all contested catches. You look at the Mike Williams catch down the sideline. Uh, you look at the toe drag that was like people were saying he, coach probably should have challenged it. Uh, and then you've got a couple pass interference plays that happened deep down the field. I mean, they they took their shots when they needed to, but they weren't putting the game in jeopardy by calling nothing but deep plays, especially when the Chargers were inconsistently but still moving the ball down the field, getting into field goal range, kicking those field goals, getting points on the board. So it's ugly, but at the same time, I don't feel like this is a – I feel like the coaching decisions are more game management than it is player development. And these players, Zion Johnson looks good. Trey Pipkins looks serviceable. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of players. Drew Tranquil has out of his mind. So good, like so so good from last season to this season. Players are progressing. That's part of the job of a head coach. And until the Chargers start losing games because of the Brandon Staley decisions, I'm okay with it. Well, and and, and we can always be better, right? We can always be better because we saw an electric offense. This. Offense is not electric. Keenan Allen's a big to do with that. Corey Lindsey going in and out of the lineup is a huge, to, has a lot to do with that. At the end of the day, when it was time to make some money on our money down, third down, 11 for 22. Say what you want. You got to scheme up good plays on third down to have a 50% success rate. 11 for 22 on third down is no joke. Those are good play calls. Now, it's not 100% good play calls, and I if, if that's what you want as a fan, you're going to wait a long time for that. But I, I you have you you can't bash your head against Joe Staley's or or Joe Staley, right. Joe Lombardi's. Well, Joe Lombardi. I might as well call him Joe Staley. Uh, you can't get mad at the play calling when when two of the most important guys in that offense are, are not are not healthy or not playing. So I get it. We're gonna get there. Let's be patient. We're four and two. We're four and two in a wide open NFL. Uh, the AFC conference is wide open. The powerhouses that we thought to be, but are are not. Let's be let got you. Let's there's let's a lot be patient. Of football there's a lot of football it. to play. There's a lot that needs to happen and go right for us. But you you gotta have some belief in there. Uh, I I think that's something we could learn from the Padres, Dodger fan or not. Those dudes believe in themselves. Down three runs, down four runs, whatever. We're coming back. And so you need to believe that. Believe it because it, it, it's so powerful, especially as a fan base. They feed off of that energy. So let's let's believe in them, man. Uh, the last thing I kind of want to touch on on this game. So pressures, there was a lot of pressures given up. 18, yeah. two sacks. Trey Pipkins gave up five. Zion Johnson uncharacteristically gave up four. 
Uh, but overall, Justin Herbert was able to get the ball off and mm-hmm. he was able to do it pretty accurately for the most part. Uh, there are some plays he probably wants to have back, but he protected the ball. He only had the one interception off the tip, uh, which wasn't entirely his fault. Uh, so I'm okay with the protection as it is. If you take a look at it, you're down, you're starting left tackle, you're start, starting center. For a while there, you went lost your second string center, and yeah. Brendan Jaime's had to come in and, and figure that out. That didn't look like I a good experiment. No. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Drew Tranquil had two sacks, and he had and like three, four pressures, I think. Yeah, four pressures. Like he, what a stud! This dude had. He was credited with three, but like he was getting into the backfield a lot as a blitzing linebacker, and he didn't blitz all that much. Uh, Eleven total pass rushes, snaps, pass rush snaps. Uh, so he was getting after it, and he was doing it really, really well. You had Jerry Tillery with three pressures. Sebastian Joseph Day with three pressures, Khalil Mack with three pressures and a sack. The Chargers had just as many pressures as the Broncos did. And I would say that they handled their pressures better than the Broncos did, which is awesome to see. Your top graded defensive players, Drew Tranquil, obviously, uh, getting in for eight tackles, by the way. You had Khalil Mack with a 77.8 grade. Nasir Adderley ended up taking back the starting position from Aloe Gilman this week. Which is a little interesting to see after Aloy Gilman came away with the huge turnover to win them the yeah. game last week. Um, I think that they're, we're going to see this team again uh, in a couple of weeks, and it could be a totally different team, especially with us getting some reinforcements back. We have a bye week coming up in two or three weeks from now. So we'll reevaluate this Denver Broncos team then. Uh, they're going to have to get it figured out on offense. We're going to have to get healthy and figure our own issues out along the way. Any closing remarks on this game, Zach? Just that the Chargers won a game off of special teams play. Oh, also a huge heads-up play by uh, Jasir Taylor, by the way. Huge. And let's go back. Hate Staley all you want. These young guys, the Drew Tranquil – Asante Samuel Jr., who we didn't mention, who is making CB1, by the way. He is drinking over that role. And actually, we have to talk about the JC Jackson thing too. So I'll let you touch on that. Well, and it would we we would be we would be 0 and 6 if we'd be 0 and 6 with no JC Jackson and Asante Samuel Jr. not playing out of his mind. But uh, my original point is that you got these young guys on this roster really blossoming into NFL players. You don't see that under you don't see that under Anthony Lynn. Maybe one guy here or there, but this is a culture. It takes a long time. You don't become a Super Bowl champion overnight. This is a life's worth life's worth of work that these guys are putting in. So that's why we gotta go back to being patient. I get the frustration. I understand it. I'm frustrated too. But stuff enough stuff is working to to be hopeful. Just let's just hang in there. And we have to talk about J.C. Jackson getting benched in the second half. Michael Davis coming in as your, uh, I'll call him your designated hitter because that's what he ended up was. <laughs> Role player, yeah. That's what he was for us. He was he played really, really well when J.C. Jackson, who has still got some confidence issues, he is going to start again this week. He is our lockdown cornerback, and he had an outstanding camp. Yeah. Gets the, the, uh, the bone taken out of his ankle and just hasn't been the same. 
he he was responsible for the blown play for the uh, Greg Dulcich touchdown yeah. down the seam, uh, sitting there in cover three, ends up going with the inside man, totally, totally bad. misses the tight Very end, bad. kind of on that swing out and up route. Um, we can chase Jackson's got to figure it out, but luckily Asante Samuel's playing like a true DB one. Like he is that guy in the secondary that is making all the plays, giving up some, but if you're giving up some, you better be making your own as well. And Asante Samuel has been absolutely outstanding. JC Jackson's going to figure it out. If he doesn't figure it out this year, we got another four years with him under contract. He's going to figure it out. But he and, needs to get his shit together because this is unacceptable. Uh, and I think he knows that. And I he think knows it. He knows it. Uh, he'll get it figured out. He's got a new scheme that he's coming into, um, playing in a totally, totally different kind of scheme than what he was used to in, in, in a Patriots jersey. So it's just going to be something you got to be patient with. Uh, he's way too talented to be playing at the level he's at. And I expect him to figure it out. I expect him and Derwin James to – to talk it out and figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Well, and, and no, absolutely right. And I, you know, you know, that guy getting benched after the contract that he just signed eats away at that guy. And I thought he handled it very well. He came out, responded to it saying that, yeah, I'm not playing very well. I would have been, he, he knows why he got benched. He's not happy with it. It isn't the scheme. It isn't that he's not talented enough. He doesn't believe in his ankle yet. And until he can go 100%, until he has that belief, which is all it, coming back from, from injuries it, is a mental thing that I don't think. I think you know, he a just needs to make can. a play. That's what it is. That, he needs to make his first pick, his first like big hit, something that, something that really goes and goes, oh, yeah, I remember how to do that. He needs to stop thinking about his ankle and if that's what it takes then that's what it takes but uh he's he's babying it he's not exploding because he doesn't trust it that trust is going to take some time to build up thankfully we got a guy like a Santa samuel thankfully we built a very very deep secondary to allow him these learning curves allow him to to patiently get back in the role of things it's going to happen when that day comes i don't know it could be in the playoffs but it's going to happen it's going to happen soon Hopefully, it will happen eventually. You, you just gotta wait. It's this whole. It's a waiting game right now, and I don't know. I'm not a very patient person as is, so I, I understand why the fan base is angry. End of the day, we've got it done. Four and two. Let's go to the Seahawks. And moving on to the Seahawks, the Seahawks are kind of an unexpected team. A lot of people thought they were going to be one of the garbage teams in the NFL this year, but nobody saw Geno Smith coming in and playing like a top five quarterback this season he is fourth in astronomical. he's got he's got 73 percent completion rate like that is outstanding they lose Rashad Penning their number one running back and they got a guy uh Kenneth Walker who's exploding he had an outstanding game last week uh and he's gonna be their lead back for the rest of the season I'm actually really looking forward to it two reasons number one he was one of my favorite draft prospects in this draft class Number two, he's one of my fantasy studs that's up and coming that I had as a kind of a roster stash. Uh, and he's going to he's gonna get his carries. He's going to do his thing. But Geno Smith has got 1,500 yards through the air already. He's averaging 250 yards a game, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. He does not turn the ball over. He's getting sacked about 14 times. 
which is uh, it's week six coming into week six. He's averaging what two, three sacks a game. Uh, that's not that's not great. I think that we can take advantage of that. I think that's one of the the areas of this team you're going to want to attack is try to to put some pressure on him. But he's been outstanding and he's been protecting the ball. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny being out. Uh, he's out for the rest of the season. I think he tore his his Achilles tendon, if I remember I correctly. So. But Kenneth Walker is averaging 5.5 yards per carry. That is insane. This guy is a monster off 44 attempts, and he's just going to continue to – he's just figuring it out at this point in the season, right? Wasn't getting a lot of those carries early on. And I think he's only going to get better, which is scary. I expect Kenneth Walker to have a big day because I feel like Pete Carroll and his running backs, they they figure their stuff out. And if they're not really good at protecting the quarterback, they're damn well going to figure it out and, and be maul you on the ground. Like that is their game. That is what Pete Carroll does. They have an outstanding coach, whatever you think of him. I love Pete Carroll. I love the rah-rahness of him on the sideline. Yeah. I love him at USC. And I expect them to do things. But then you also have two of the best duos at wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. And then you also have a really good up-and-coming tight end, Noah Fant. This is a dangerous team on offense. A lot more dangerous people were giving them credit for because everyone thought that there was issues at the quarterback position, and there is not. This team can move the ball. They can move it in chunks. They can grind it out. They can control the clock. They are really, really surprising on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and and they're and they're unpredictable. A, a team like this is so scary. Three and three, a team that nobody believed in, who's beat some teams they probably shouldn't, who's lost some games they probably shouldn't. At the end of the day, they have one of the best coaches of all time in Pete Carroll, and he's getting the most out of his guys. Who would have thought, Geno Smith, the number one QBR against man coverage which the Chargers run a lot of. We're going to need Mr. J- Mr. INT, J.C. Jackson, to step it up because these guys are man beaters, and they have two of them, and Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, and they do it in different ways. Lockett can run around you. He could throw you in a blender, and D.K. is going to out-muscle you. So this is a tough matchup on paper. Um, it's not a gimme like I was expecting at the beginning of the year. I think both of us, when we did our schedule prediction, was just like, yep, win, no, no problem, moving on. The NFL doesn't work like that. It is a week-to-week monster. It doesn't work like that. And we are playing a, a very unpredictable football team, which scares me because what team are we going to see? Are we going to see a team that just battled – 19 and one a close 19 to nine game against the Cardinals. Are you going to see a, a team that got blown out or got blown out by the 49ers in week two when really they probably shouldn't. So th- there's so much, there's so much fluctuating with this team. Uh, I think they're very scary. And if we don't play 110%, this is going to be a, a brutal loss. I do not want to see that. Because we're on a three-game winning streak, we need to keep that momentum. Uh, we need to keep that building. Because I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think we get the bye right after. Correct? I think the bye is. The uh, I think week. we have another week. I think it's week nine. Uh, but one of the things you also got to look at on this the Seahawks secondary, their cornerbacks are really kind of interesting. So their starting cornerbacks is Mike Jackson. I don't even know who that is. 
and Tariq Woolen, who's got four interceptions. Ooh. And not to mention, Kobe Bryant has been playing on the outside. He's been playing outstanding. Both Kobe Bryant guys. has been a highlight role week after week. You take that into account with Tariq Woolen, who's been a takeaway monster. Four interceptions in six games? That's insane. He's on track to break records. Like, we haven't seen a guy get his hand on this many balls this quickly this early on in quite some time. And then they have a a slew of other really good young players. You look at Jordan Brooks, who's leading their team in tackles. He was a rookie uh, two seasons ago, and he was the reason that they got rid of of their franchise linebacker um, playing with the Rams. What's his name? Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. They decided to get rid of Bobby Wagner because Jordan Brooks is something that they saw kind of improving and taking on that new role that uh, he's a, he's, he's a captain for them. And that's just insane. You look at Uchenna Nwosu, really, really good player. Mm-hmm. And I really like their interior, their line out woods, Puna Ford. Big this dudes. Is, this isn't, this is a, a really overwhelming uh, they they're this defense is playing way better than anybody expected them to. It's a lot of young players, especially in the secondary. I didn't even get a chance to talk about Quandre Diggs. Like yeah. they are a really, really sleepy, sleeper defense. Like they they're doing things that nobody expected them to do. Oh, boy Mafe, too. Let me just talk about him. Sidney Jones is their wide receiver four. Where are we at? Said Sidney Jones is their number four cornerback, not wide receiver. Four, number four cornerback, right. like that's okay. insane. They got some DBs, and and they're they're performing all without what well, who we thought was was their their best player in Jamal Adams. Uh, he's been out all year, and these guys are still playing very very good football. That and that no Trey great. Brown, no Artie Burns, no Jamal Adams. They lost L.J. Collier. Quentin Jefferson's yeah. uh, questionable. Alton Robinson's on IR. They're doing it with young guys, unknown guys. It's they're a good team. They're a they're, much better team than everybody was giving them credit for. A good team and in a wide open NFC West. I mean, we were talking about the AFC West and the NFC West were going to just be dynamite. There are so many question marks in that division. They're coming off a huge divisional win against the Cardinals. Um, they end up dropping that game early in the season against the 49ers, but they see both of those teams again. They're scary, man. They're hungry. And when you you got a leader like Pete Carroll, th- th- there's very few times that you're going to get a anything less than a A-plus performance from, from just as, as you know, effort-wise. So... This team's scary. Uh, I I don't you know. Really Jordan know Brooks reminds me a lot of Kaiser White, just in terms of mm. being that smaller kind of linebacker who's really, really good in coverage. Yeah. This guy has 23 stops at this point in the season. That's insane. And they're also getting pressure on the quarterback. Uchenna Nwosu's got 19 total pressures and three sacks. He That was way – that's way higher than where he was at for us last year. So I'm really looking forward to, to, to this matchup. I think it's going to be a much better game than people were giving it credit for. Everyone was looking at this as the lockdown win. Kind of what is your key matchup? What are you most looking forward to watching uh, 
the matchup, like specific, like who against who is in that battle? What is that battle? Well, specifically, give me a little more time. I think that the key, the key is for me is what's his name? Is Corey Lindsley going to be a go? Because we cannot average 4.2 yards a pass like we did against the Broncos. They, this team will eat us up. They're not. We're not going to convert 50% of our third downs uh, if we have 22 attempts against a team like this. So for me, and, and that 4.2 average on our throws, that was a direct representation of the pressure Herbert was facing, the calls that we were forced to throw because we knew we weren't going to get longer than a second in the drop back. So I think and playing that, one of the best defenses in the NFL. That too. And so for me, the, the, the generic matchup is RO line. How does it hold up against these monsters, these absolute dogs up front in Puna Ford, Al Woods, Shelby Harris, and then you got Uchenna playing like we all remember Chenna to be playing. Uh, he had a phenomenal week one out the gates, and I, I haven't really kept track on the Seahawks all too much throughout the season, but this is a scary front. They can create pressure. So if we, if we aren't able to provide Herbert the time to allow these guys to run deep routes, so to hopefully have these DBs that you were talking about kind of fall off, that that's going to be huge. Now, if we're going to talk about individual matchup, I think you got to start with JC Jackson and and, and um, Deke. We, and where DK, are you putting him? That yeah. is that looks like a matchup nightmare for for JC at this point in the season. And I want to see how he responds to that. But you could also look inside, and you're looking at Tyler Lockett with Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan played really really well in the slot this year, but Tyler Lockett is probably going to be his best matchup he's seen this season. A real test, a real. Real speedy guy that is really, really hard to run with, especially if you're playing that cover three match and he has to go with him. Tyler Lockett's fast, and he can get behind a defense very, very quickly. So that's another matchup I think you need to watch. Huge. Um, if we're going to keep him on that side of the ball, Khalil Mack against Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, two very young but very talented tackles. That's going to be fun to watch. And now we got to switch back over. They're both rookies too, right? I think Charles. I can't Cross... remember if Abraham Lucas is. I know Charles Cross is. Abra Lucas, Lucas for sure is. Uh, okay, he just so went, yeah, he went kind of later. Starting offensive tackles are rookies. You not only have to take advantage of that, but you have to be wary of that too, because Charles Cross was the number six overall draft pick. So you have to keep that in mind. Charles Cross did not give up very many pressures, but he's never seen Khalil Mack. No, it's a different it's a different animal. Um, very few people are Khalil Mack, but th those guys are good, and so that's going to be fun. But on the other side, I need I need Keenan back. But I, for me, the matchup is, is Mike. How Mike Williams handles this young, hungry DB core, because the, without that one-two punch, the Keenan to Mike Williams, without those guys. Being playing like the wide receiver ones that we're paying to do that it shuts down everything and i think keenan i i need keenan back in this game or it's just going to be a blood battle that i'm not ready to endure this weekend i need something positive in my life chargers need to give it to me 
And so I, I, I need Mike Williams to have a good game. I need him to be physical. I need him to be boxing dudes out, which is not an easy task when you're talking about Tariq Woolen with your four interceptions. But he's also huge, if I recall. He's like he's 6'4", 210. That's a big dude. Yeah, that's a big boy. And I believe he's playing primarily on the outside, and I think that Kobe Bryant's also playing primarily outside, which means you're matching him up with a guy I've never heard of. Let me go ahead and take a look at who Mike Jackson is. Mike Jackson is a 6'1", 210-pound cornerback who played at Miami. We know Miami guys. Uh, they 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 just breed DBs left and right. 2019 fifth-round draft pick. That looks like a matchup problem. He's got three pass deflections, but I've never heard of this guy before Before today. Like, he wasn't on my radar. And if he's not on my radar, I guarantee you he's not on Keenan Allen's radar. Well, not even on the I, same planet. Let's talk about that. Like, this guy is not making the same plays. We're not talking about him like we're talking about Kobe Bryant or Tariq Woolen. So I think that's a matchup you got to exploit, right? Well, and, and beyond that, you need Keenan's been hung, like how how angry is he just sitting? How long just, has he been just a caged animal? He played the first half. He played the first quarter of the first game, and that was it. It's true. So beyond just the the matchup that favors us, you need to get that guy's confidence back because that is and it, it's going to be a just it. What is the word? It's just going to become like an avalanche. If you get Keenan's confidence going, that's getting Herbert's confidence back. That's getting all the rest of the receivers' confidence back. That everything, everything feeds off of getting Keenan back involved, back at the production level that we've been missing all year. So I'm 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 targeting Keenan early and often, and I'm gonna live with the consequences because I believe in him. He needs to. We need we need a big game from Keenan because what we we need that coming back party and uh, I know he needs it. This team this team is is so in need of an infusion of life and then just because uh, we look lackluster, we look not dead but dying. So I need that player, revitalization game, that redemption game. The player that's been playing in the slot for them has been Kobe Bryant. He's got 118 snaps in the slot. Uh, he's been targeted 21 times, given up 13 receptions, two touchdowns. We've seen Keenan get 15, 20 targets a game. We've seen Keenan Allen with 15 catches in a game. And if he's healthy and he looks healthy, I saw him running routes in a, a video earlier today. How do you look? I'm I'm looking at a huge game for Keenan Allen. Let's You're go. going up against a rookie. You're getting him fed early. You're you're trying to catch him up back into the season, get him to where he was supposed to be. I'm looking at 15 targets, 12 receptions, 120, 150 yards. I'm gonna give Keenan Allen like I'm gonna give him a breakout game. Like this is a game that Let's go. he is he is gonna be involved a lot. I think we need to get him back healthy, get him moving, get the offense rolling. And I think. You're going to take advantage of a rookie against one of the best route runners in the entire NFL. This mm -hmm. is the game to do it. Line up against a rookie and just have your way with them. I like it. I mean, like, like I said, he needs it. This team needs it. All of my fantasy rosters need it. Come on.
So, so yeah, let's go ahead and get him back involved. The only other cornerback who spent any time in the slots, Justin Coleman. He's only played one game. You got a safety, Josh Jones, who's played just 25 coverage snaps in six games in the slot. It's Kobe Bryant. So you know the matchup right off the bat, and you got to look to exploit it. And when you do exploit it and they start double teaming Keenan, now you got Mike Williams running deep against Tariq Woolley. both that's also going to be a fun matchup to watch. 6-4 against 6-4. Two guys who excel at getting deep down the field. Yeah. But also another rookie that you get. We should. We should be able to feast against this team, especially if we're getting our starting center back. If we're getting our starting wide receiver back. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to look at at this game against this defense. You can take advantage of some things, especially if your play calling is totally different than what it has been in the last couple of weeks because you have Keenan Allen back in the lineup. There's a lot of unknowns for the Seahawks defensive coordinator right now because we don't know what kind of version you're getting. Are you getting the, the, the 2021 Chargers offense back? It looks like it. The only player that's not the same, and by the way, we may be getting to see our starting or uh, rookie running back get some snaps this yeah. game with Joshua Kelly out. There's a lot of different things you could see from the Chargers offense this week just because you have Keenan Allen back. you got to look to exploit that. With that and with that running back team, with that running back bank, with that running back room banged up, with all of the injuries we have in the tight end room, we need the receivers. We need those guys to play out of their mind. And so that that's, gonna, that's my prediction. I, I'm piggybacking off of you. It's going to be Keenan Allen's breakout day. It's going to be a breakout, a career-defining game for this man. And I see I see a close game. My final prediction is 31-28 Chargers. Not a game-winning field goal. I think that's going to come early in the first half, like the first quarter. Then they're going to just go for touchdown the entire rest of the way. So breakout game all the way to Keenan till a two-minute drive to put it together where – Mr. Game Winner, Mike Williams, gets it done with another game winner. 31-28. That's my prediction. Chargers go make it happen. I'm getting pumped up right now. I'll I'm be pumped. honest. Like, I'm looking was... at this. I'm looking at the – they played the Broncos, which they're not very good, and they scored 17 points on the Broncos. Uh, the 49ers blew them out 27-7. They get lost to the Falcons, who are not a good team. They go and do something weird to the Lions. They score 48 points against the Lions. Uh, the Saints, they scored 32 points. I feel like this might be a blowout game. I'm just looking at the Seahawks' schedule. I'm really not impressed with the teams that they have beaten. Mm-hmm. You've beaten the Lions. You've beaten the Broncos. And you beat the Cardinals 19-9. I feel like this is one of those games where we just show them that they're not in the same league with us. I'm looking at like a a 28-10 win for the Chargers. Big day by Keenan Allen. I think it needs to happen. Um, We do have some injuries. We have some concussions that we're dealing with. I think that we're kind of getting healthy at this point in the season, a lot healthier than we were. Justin Herbert, another week past his rib injury. Uh, We're getting our center back from his illness. Um, We have certain players that are playing well in the positions that we did not expect him to play in, like our left tackle, uh, Jamari Sawyer. Yeah. Um, 
You're getting a rookie running back who has yet to see the field this season, get some carries, mm -hmm. has an opportunity to impress. Go ahead and take it, Rook, and show us what you can do with it. I think there's a lot of good things to look at right now. No major, major injuries. A lot of like little minor scrapes and bumps. Um, we haven't lost anybody for the season right now. This is a good game to get yourself on track, build some confidence. J.C. Jackson locking down one of the premier wide receivers in the NFL. That would do so much for the rest of the season. Just having one game against some really quality player, a player who's not the most dynamic route runner, but a guy who just out muscles. And if you're yeah. talking about J.C. Jackson being a person, like he's competitive. Absolutely. If anything else that he is, he's a competitive player. He wants the toughest matchup. He wants those those types of competition events, and this is one of them you're going to get right here. Just take your guy, lock him out. This is that game, and I'm not I'm I'm impressed with what Geno Smith has done to this point. I'm not expecting this to last the whole season. Like Geno Smith, this could be this week we see Geno Smith go back to the Jets. Geno Smith, I love the Jets, Geno, and I love all I love all of that. This is a confidence. Builder, not in the fact that the Seahawks are, are are no good. They have a decent roster. They have a great coach. But this is a career building game in the sense that we need some. We need a pick me up. We need a pick me up, and I. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. So why not? Let's let's get it done, man. I I, I want an exciting football game, especially after the whatever we just saw on Monday night. So a short week a lot of guys nursing some injuries but there's no excuses this is a no excuse type of league you got to go out and play your opponent when you have that when you have that opportunity this is this is what these guys have been building working towards their entire lives it's time to go get it done put us back on the national media's radar because i think we're falling off we are four and two let's go prove our record and you know what's better than four and two Five and two. Five dudes. Big Khalil Mack, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it. We got some interesting things coming up in the next few weeks. We're going to be bringing on some uh, some special guests. We have some other partnerships that we're currently working on. There's a lot to be excited for with Shock Therapy. Yeah. Continue listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Pods. We're basically everywhere you find your podcast, and we got a lot of things in store for you guys. Bolt everywhere. up. All right. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.